right, thank you for that, Shelly, singers. We are going to, uh, we're going to look briefly at the scripture that we read uh, this evening. I want to finish up something um, <coughs> that we started two weeks ago. And I know our theme is now is the time. I was just thinking, looking at that clock, um, man, we should have did it the doomsday, right? Right before 12 o'clock. Brother Grandy didn't think of that. He's fired. Um, <clears throat> but we've been preaching that on Sunday mornings. But two weeks ago, of course, we had Brother Beckham here last week. We, we did something on Sunday night I wanted us to, to think about, very practically speaking, as we, we think about our theme and how it applies to us. And, of course, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> you're the Sunday night crowd. <coughs> so you're the, <coughs> I'm not saying people come on Sunday morning that they're not dedicated, but you're the more core of the church. You've been around a little bit longer, <coughs> more involved in what we're doing here. And so I want us to, 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 to hear a thought this, this evening I think will help us. Um, of course, we know that no one knows when Jesus Christ is coming back to rapture us away, right? We look around and we can see the signs everywhere. And by the way, we believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. We believe that we will be uh, raptured, taken off of this earth <coughs> by Jesus Christ before the tribulation period. Uh, some believe that <coughs> you will leave in the middle of the tribulation. You're going to be in the first half, which is supposed to be the peaceful half. <clears throat> Although if you look at the Bible, there's a lot of things going on throughout the whole tribulation. And some believe, very few, uh, they believe that you're going to be raptured at the end of the tribulation, which wouldn't make sense because you're coming back to earth with Christ, so you go up and come right back down. Some call that the elevator belief. Um, but we believe the, in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. I don't believe that... Uh, um, that some of the things that the Bible talks about with the, with the tribulation, that, we, that if you were here the first three and a half years, you would know a lot of things that, that we're not really going to be around here um, to know. And to really, to get to that, that's not the message tonight, but I'll throw it out there. To get to that, you have to believe in replacement theology. That the church <clears throat> has replaced Israel and God is done with Israel. And um, I can prove that that's not true. Read your Bible. Everywhere God talks about Israel <clears throat> and, and their place in history and their place at the end of times. God is not done with them and using them, and we'll leave it at that. But <clears throat> although we don't know the day or hour, we can look around and tell that it's getting close. Uh, I remember when, one of the first things when I, when I, when I walked into church, I started going to church, <clears throat> they would, um, and, and they were talking about these things, and, I'm, and I was real excited. I thought, that was in the 80s. I thought Jesus is coming any single day. And you know how single people are. I just want to get married before the Lord comes. Now, if I was single here today, I'd say, Lord, I just want to get married. I just want to get raptured before I get married. You said it was pre-tribulation. <laughs> Moving on quickly. That's what other people have told me. I don't necessarily believe that myself. Uh, but Brother Chim was talking about that earlier. But you see all the signs everywhere. You know, you see the things in Revelation and the one world government, the one world religion, and, and the currency and the lack of currency and, and, you know, buying and selling with the mark of the beast and all that. It's like, how can that happen? You don't even have to think about that today. It's all set in place. <clears throat> you don't even have to have much of an imagination to see what technology has brought that it can happen at any time. And all this, all that they're looking for. But <clears throat> we don't know when it is. Uh, I've mentioned before, but there was a man named Ed, Ed, Edgar Wisenant, 
And he wrote a book in, in 1988. It was entitled, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come in 1988. Anybody ever hear that book? Yeah. I guess I'm the only one. Sarge, he's really old, though. <coughs> he gave a lot of He said that Jesus was going to come September 11th, 12th, or 13th in 1988. He said that he, he, he knew all of it. The Antichrist would sign the peace treaty with Israel September 21st of 88. The 144,000 witnesses, September 26th. World War III would break out on October 4th. And if our president have his, has his way, it might just start next week. That was free. Uh, the temple in Jerusalem would be consecrated in 1989. And he went on and on and on. And he said this about his beliefs. He said, only if the Bible is in error am I wrong. And I say that to every preacher in town. Now, he was an engineer. He was not a Bible student. You know what happened? Something very interesting that happened, though. 1988 came and went. And I remember going into a bookstore uh, probably in, like, 1989, and they had a table with those books on there, and they were, like, 10 cents. It's like, <laughs> you think? <clears throat> Many others have tried that. <clears throat> but the fact <coughs> of the matter, although it's not the message tonight, it's the truth behind it, and then we'll jump into the message like we did two weeks ago. The fact of the matter is, Jesus is coming soon. He is. And, and the fact of the matter is, the key part about that is, it must affect how we live. That's what now, the time, now, is, the time, now, now is the time. That's what that is all about. <clears throat> the chapter, Mark chapter 13, is dealing with the end times. And as I mentioned, the rapture of the church. By the way, the rapture of the church is not the second coming. The second coming is at the end of the tribulation when Jesus comes back to this earth physically. The rapture is when Jesus comes to take, his, 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 take the church off of this earth. And so he's teaching him in this chapter about the tribulation period. And, he's and as we mentioned in our introduction, nobody knows. In verse 32 he says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch ye, and pray, for you know not when the time is. But Jesus wasn't just simply teaching these things, although he did. He teaches them for a reason. Because if we really believe that, that Jesus is coming again, it is going to affect what we do on this earth, and primarily what we do for the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you're young, say, well, I'm not going to die for, for a long time. Uh, that's not necessarily true. But sometimes you can, you know, I got years and years and years to serve the Lord. I'll kind of do my own thing for a while. You don't know how long you have. Okay? And, and <clears throat> the Lord's coming. You, you, you may, it might be tomorrow. I kind of take that. How many of you would take that? I'd rather be with him. But he closes this chapter <clears throat> with a couple of parables to kind of teach them about this. <clears throat> We're gonna, we looked at the last one in the chapter. Look at verse 34. In Mark chapter 13 again. Look at uh, verse 34 there in Mark chapter 13. He says, For the Son of Man is as a man uh, taking a journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every work and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. And so here's a man that left and he was going away for a while and he gave them work to do. Of course, we know that our Lord, he went away. And by the way, he's given us a, a work to do. Verse 35, he says, Watch ye therefore, for you know not the, when the master of the house cometh at even or at midnight or at cock crowing or in the morning. He can come at any time. Morning, noon, or night. By the way, it'll be all three when he comes. You say, how's that? Because unless you believe in the flat earth. Okay. 
uh, you know, everywhere right now, it's like, it's nighttime, it's morning and evening. If you believe, I, you know, I would like to believe in the flat earth. Because I, I would hope if we believed in the flat earth, maybe there's another population on the bottom. And they figure things out, not like us on the top, okay? Or maybe we are the ones on the bottom, I'm not sure. But, so, so, so if, if he's going to come, we don't know the hour. He goes, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And then he says, and, I, and what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Watch. Be ready. Be alert. Be attent. <coughs> know what's going on. Don't be surprised. We, we, and by the way, that's what's happening to us. Some of us, we have no clue what is going on in this world because we have our head in the sands. In the sand. We, we're, we're not doing what he wants us to do, and he wants us to be alert because one day it's going to be too late to do anything for him. The time's up. The time to work for him, the time to serve him, it's all done. We're going to be in eternity. But, and what he wants us to do while we're waiting, he wants us to do the work. Like the man that went away, he says, I got something for you to do. I'm not going away so that you can have, you know, vacation time, Right? I know how it is. Some of you, your bosses are st step out and you don't do anything. I remember, and Brother Borden and I, we weren't doing anything bad, but remember when we first started this project here, remember the two-story house that was here? And so we started doing work and tearing things down, and so we'd have to come into the house to fill out POs. And uh, I don't know what he was over, I was over something, <coughs> and it just so happens we both went in the house, at that old house, to fill out POs, and we were sitting on the couch there filling them out. And then Pastor Esposito walked in. And I don't even know why. We weren't doing anything wrong. And as soon as Pastor Esposito walked in, we both just stood up. <laughs> like, boss is here. We better look busy, right? You've seen the bumper sticker. Jesus is coming. Look busy. We want to be busy. We want to be about our Father's business. <coughs> and so, with that in mind, I start, that's just the jumping point here. I mentioned some things that, that, that we can't wait to do. We have to do it now. Now is the time. Okay, let me give you a few. <coughs> I gave you two last time. I will just briefly mention them and we will move on. I said a couple weeks ago that now is the time to share the gospel. We don't have forever. And if we, you know, you know it's kind of tragic if we're Christians and we believe the Lord's coming and we believe that heaven is better and we believe that the tribulation will literally be hell on earth, how come we don't want to tell people about it? How come we don't want to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ? And let me just say this, and I'll move on. Witnessing or sharing the gospel is not a calling. It's not a gift. It is a command of God. I read a quote by William Booth. He was the founder of the Salvation Army back when they were, out, uh, when, when they were about getting, the salvation, getting salvation out, not you know, collecting money from Santa Claus at, at, at Christmas time. He said this, not called, did you say? Not heard the call? I think you should say, put your ear to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, uh, agonizing heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come here. Then look Christ in the face, whose mercy you have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. Sounds to me like Salvation Army used to be a lot better place. 
But what about us? We don't need God to tell us to go out. He's already told us in his book. We don't need to think, do people really need the Lord? Just look around you. We talked about this this morning. We also said that now is the time to serve in ministry. And I hope you're involved in some way. Every Christian, if you're a member of this church, you ought to be involved in some way. And by the way, if you're involved, be faithful, be on time, and be energized. Don't, we don't need people just to show up and sit down and put in an hour and go home and pat themselves on the back. Okay? And by the way, it sounds mean. I don't mean to be mean. We don't have that here. You're serious about what you're doing. But some of you need to get involved. Look, I'm excited to come to church. Well, you're the pastor. You have to come. I know. But a long time ago, I wasn't, and I still came. But I'm very excited to be here, especially on Sundays. All the new people around here and all the people we're trying to. It's exciting. Why? Because I'm involved. And by the way, if you're involved too, you ought to be excited about it. Now, I stopped there last time. Let me give you a couple more that I had I didn't get to finish. Now is also the time to seek the Lord. Now is the time to seek the Lord. Isaiah chapter 55 Verse 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. <clears throat> Call ye upon him while he is near. And we went through this passage probably about a month ago. But we ought to seek the Lord. And by the way, the key there is why he may be found. That's just his way of saying, hey, now's the time to do it. Don't be putting that thing off. All of us, we talk about it all the time. You know, when Brother Beckham was preaching last week, there's many uh, definitions of what prayer is. His was a simplistic, uh, um, a simplistic illustration and a very good one. He said prayer is a relationship. Why? Because if you are around somebody in a relationship, you talk to them. Wouldn't it be weird for you to hang around with somebody for 10 hours and not say a word to them? God is everywhere, and he's with you all the time. And if we're not careful... <coughs> Although we have head knowledge of that, we don't have common sense knowledge that we ought to take advantage of that. That's why he says pray without ceasing. Why? He's always there. You don't have to drop to your knees. You can always talk to him. You can always bring prayer before him. But the point is, <coughs> we need to wait. We, do, we, need to, we need to not wait. We need to do it, and we need to do it now. What the problem with mankind is, we kind of wait for certain dates to trigger us to do the things we want to do, Right? We're all, and by the way, the Bible talks about fresh starts. I'm not, I'm not getting on that. But all the things that we want to do in life, you know what we do? We wait till New Year's to come because it's always down the road. I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to start on New Year's or whatever your spiritual thing was. That's what New Year's resolutions are, are about. There's only, there's only two problems when you're waiting for something to trigger you, not that kind of trigger, to trigger you to do something. The first is, you're not going to keep it. If you're not motivated to start now, what, what, what do you think is going to keep you going once you start a month from now? You, on my next birthday, when I turn, you know, older, I'm going to do this. No, you won't. You'll, you'll do it for three days. But the other thing is this. It makes us comfortable waiting until the next year when we, when we won't keep them anyhow. See, we get comfortable with things. Well, I'll read my Bible another day. I'll spend time with God another day. I'll get involved in a ministry eventually. And we put this time off, and we put it off, and he says, look, seek the Lord while he might, might be found. He says, do it right now. What are you waiting for? He said, what's your relationship with God like? We struggle with things. It's like, just do it now. Now, I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir here. Thanks, Jay. I'm preaching to the choir here, but hey, you know, now's the time to be faithful. 
And you're here. God bless you. You know, it's like a lot of times, a guy teaches a Sunday school class, and half of his class is missing, and he gets mad, so he preaches to the half that's there on why they ought to be faithful. It's like, man, they're there. Leave them alone. Send a text, okay? Here was the message this morning. Lazy bum, be faithful. <laughs> they're the ones that need it. But why do we struggle with that? We have, to, we have to take advantage of the opportunity we have now. And you can go on, and I'm going to be a soul winner someday. Good. Someday starts this Tuesday at 7. Let's not wait. We don't have time to wait. You don't know how long you have. So ask yourself, <coughs> how's your, with, your relationship with God right now? Are you drawing closer? Then make a commitment and start doing that today. Look at your Bible reading. Did you tap out once you got to Leviticus? Like, okay, Lawrence is good. I'm done. Okay? Say, no, I made it through Leviticus, but man, I got submitted by uh, uh, numbers. I got knocked out in Deuteronomy. Okay, let's just stay with it. Let's get through. Make it a daily habit. But we don't have, we don't have time promised. God, by the way, everything we do for God is all predicated to me uh, on our relationship with him. <clears throat> That's what makes us faithful. That's what gets us through to the end because we have a living relationship with him and he helps us to get to the end. Now's the time to have a relationship. Next, now is the time to separate our lives. Romans chapter 13, <coughs> and we <coughs> preached on this at uh, the beginning of January when we revealed our theme because this is a chapter our theme it is, but our theme is in. But the, the verses afterwards, uh, verse 12 to 14 says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We get up in the morning and it's, we got our job to do and the clothes we had in the darkness, we get rid of those and we get ready for the day. But he's talking about also in a spiritual sense. Let us, and then he mentioned, he kind of like teaches us what that is in verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day. So if you're walking dishonestly, you're living in the night. Is, is that what it's saying? I think that's what it's saying. Not in rioting and in drunkenness. <coughs> Not in, verse 13 uses the word chambering. I can't even tell you what that means. It's talking about immorality. And it's very graphic. And wantonness and strife and envy and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Do you see what he's saying? Don't do these things. You got to get up. The, the, the darkness is done. We have to put on the armor. We have to fight. We have to live in the light. Don't do these things. And he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? It's the opposite. You see, you can't help it. If, if you're going to serve God, if you're going to be serious about God, you have to make changes. You don't bring your life to Jesus Christ and say, this is my life, this is how it is, take it or leave it. You know what he's going to say? He'll leave it. A silly sign by some uh, far left church over where I live, you know. Uh, Jesus didn't reject anybody and neither do we. You want to bet? He doesn't reject anybody that comes for salvation. But when they came to him and said, I want to follow you, he goes, okay, go do this. And if he, he said, if you don't do these things, then ye cannot be my disciple. And by the way, technically, he's not rejecting them. You're rejecting his requirements. So we have to separate our lives. <coughs> it's time to take Christianity seriously. And one of the ways that you can tell is, do you live it wholeheartedly? 
I mean, is it really, really real to you? Is it really important to you? I don't care if you have a, a, a Bible cover that has the fish on it. I don't care if you have a bumper sticker that says, you know, I love Jesus. And by the way, if you want a bumper sticker, here's one honk if you tithe. Okay, I like that one. But do you live it? The Bible calls us saints. Now that's positionally in Christ, amen? But it also should be practically. There was an old Puritan named Richard, Richard Sibbs several hundred years ago. And someone said of this of him. Of this blessed man, let, let this just praise be given. Heaven was in him before he was in heaven. In other words, he says this guy lived it before he ever, ever got there. Do you understand, if you really comprehend the Bible, do you understand what it will do in your life? How many of you ever heard of the, I've never seen it. <coughs> no, it's old, the mutiny and the bounty. Remember that old story? That's actually true. They, there was a group that, that uh, I think it was Captain Blythe, and, they, and they, they set them adrift. Well, the mutineers did not go back to, 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 to where they were from because they knew they'd be in trouble. They found a little island, the Pekirin Island. And so they decided that th there was some, uh, it was out in the middle of the ocean, nowhere, a small little tropical island. <coughs> there were some nationals <coughs> that were there, and so they figured, we'll settle down here so we don't get in trouble. What happened is there was a handful of the mutineers that got there, and um, one of their problems, they figured out how to make alcohol. And they brought their horrible lifestyle uh, amongst themselves and also amongst the nationals, the natives who were there. And, and they ruined the island. People were dying from diseases, and then they started a civil war amongst the island. The, the, the nationals there didn't trust them anymore because of their evil living. What happened is, after several years, the mutineers had died off, and there was only one guy left. His name was John Adams. John Adams found a Bible that they had taken with some of the stuff they had taken off the ship. He started reading the Bible, and he decided, I think he became a Christian, and decided that he's going to change things there. And so he started instituting the principles of the Bible there, and that small little society on that island completely changed. A couple decades later, when a British ship actually found the island and found the mutineers, they were so impressed by how tranquil and how clean and how lawful the people on the island were, they pardoned him. What happened? He found a Bible. He, let it, he, he actually believed it to the point where he lived it, and he got it out to everybody. Should, isn't that just normal? I mean, if you're saved and you say you love God, shouldn't it make differences in our lives? That's very important for us to understand. Remember, <coughs> when we talk about separation, <coughs> we're talking about staying away from that which is wrong and moving towards that which is right. Because if that's wrong over there and that's right over there, if the farther I'm separating from wrong living, I'm separating closer to the right living. It's for a purpose. And that's very important. When you separate from something that is wrong, I will say this, you should gravitate to and replace it with something that is right. Do you know there's music that's wrong? And not just, and not in this, some of this Christian nonsense too. Well, I'm going to listen to this, look, it has about as much spiritual, it has about as much spiritual truth as, as a brick. You know? I saw a tree and it reminded me of Jesus. Like, whatever, open the Bible. That reminded me of Jesus. 
And they're just trying to take <coughs> the world <coughs> and blend it in. But you're never, ever, ever, ever going to rise above the level of the music you listen to. But you know, when I, when I, when I, I, I mentioned, when I, I would listen, music I listened to, no one came and said, hey, man, if you're going to live for God, that music's hurtful for you. I figured it out. I listened to it like that has nothing to do with the Bible I'm reading. And something had to go. And the music went. You know, sometimes we have wrong, flu, wrong influences. Let's head to the right influences. Sometimes we have the wrong actions. Let's replace them with the right actions. And you can go on and on and on. Number next, number five. <coughs> now <coughs> is the time to secure our families. Turn to Psalms chapter 127, please. Psalm chapter 127. We'll read through the verses there. <coughs> we know this one well. It's very well known. Verse 1, he says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain. It is vain for you to rise up, to sit early, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he giveth his beloved sleep. Not during church, by the way, Brother Vaughn. Just kidding. He's on, he's on uh, you don't even know what day it is, do you? See, he doesn't. Lo, verse 3, children are the heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the worm is his reward. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies of the gate. Do you know that children are a blessing? Now, I've met a few that have made me wonder, okay? Like, maybe they're not after all, you know? That kid, that kid didn't get the memo. They're supposed to be a blessing. And the problem is, and, and I'm just going to be very blunt, society is after your children now. <coughs> and I'm not going to say anything. I do keep up with stuff. The garbage and the filth that's coming down the pipe, they're going after your children. You better keep your eyes open. What is up with these drag queen shows at libraries? And a Christian wants to have a book reading and he's not allowed to come because that's bad. And by the way, you say, Pastor, I haven't heard of it. Get your head, head out of the sand. They're going, I, I, I said it years ago. Once they said gay marriage was legal, I said transgenderism, transgenderism is next and then pedophilia. Now it's minor attracted persons. No, it's evil, wicked perverts. A society that does not take care of children is ridiculous. And I mentioned on Thursday night, our, our president, 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, how dare, he said, how dare we, and I'm not quoting him verbatim, attack a woman's, uh, woman's health rights. And I, if you weren't here on Thursday, let me just tell you my thinking. So when we were pregnant, my wife, <coughs> first thing you do is start going to the doctor. Because they want to check the child, and it's woman's health, and make sure the child is healthy. And yet you can go to the doctor and kill the child, and that's women's health as well. Speak to, how, that doesn't even make sense. You have health to take care of the unborn child, and it's also women's health to kill the same thing, baby? What is wrong with us? I'm concerned about that, but I'm concerned about our, chi our children that, that are, uh, are alive. They're after them. They ruined our school system in the 60s, and that's why our society is in a mess, a big part of it. But you know the bigger part? Christians are allowing their children to go to these institutions. 
You're allowing them to go to places, not just school, where they're learning godless philosophies. Well, I didn't know about that. You know now. Have you heard of the internet? Okay. You say, I never hear that on CNN. Touche. They're going to hide it from you. <coughs> Statistics tell us that over 90% of young people from churches walk out after they graduate from school. You know why? They've been trained that, that Christianity is a joke. Question everything. Question your gender. All of it. And we're just this, and as soon as they can do their own thing, they're done. You can't undo in 40 hours of school where they're being fed garbage. You can't undo that in three hours of church. We need to get our heads out of the sand. You know, we were thinking, <coughs> we talk a lot about the next generation. Joseph and I were talking about it. George, you mentioned it. The Bible doesn't talk about the next generation. It talks about the next generations, plural. Read your Bible. He said that you may teach it to your children and their children and their children. God's not concerned about just the first generation. He's concerned about all of them. I mean, I love my children, but they're grown. I love something better than them, grandchildren, amen? Look, I'm concerned about them now. <coughs> and so do we care? Let's be very careful. If we're parents, God has given that to us. But the family is under attack. The permanency of marriage is under attack. People just want to live together now. They don't want to get married. That didn't go over very well. <coughs> you know, I always see these, these, these couples that date. Like, you know, we're just dating. We'll wait four or five years and get married. You're not waiting for anything else. Unless you have, like, Superman discipline. We got to be very careful. Things go better when we follow God's plan. <coughs> the roles of women and men are under attack. Oh, here you go. You're, uh, you know, you're whatever they call a phobic or misogynist. Uh, you, you, whatever. I'm not for massages, by the way. Whatever misogynist. All that stuff. You're, you're this and that. No, I'm not. Okay. Look, it, nobody's better than anybody else. God gave you a role and you'll be fulfilled when you fulfill it. You know, you look, you watch this garbage on television, the dad's a ninny, mom is out doing everything, but she's clueless, and the kids run the place. That's a recipe for disaster, okay? Dad, step up. Step up. Be them, and we don't like that, do we? <coughs> Apparently not. I haven't heard much. John Castle, and I've, I've, I've preached on this, but, you know, Samson went to his parents and said, look, I want this woman of Timnah. And they're like, what, there's no uh, women of your own people that you have to go to this? And he's like, I don't care. She pleases me well. And they're trying to talk him out of it. And then the next verse says, they're going down with him to get her. He should have said, I ain't going. Go get her yourself. Well, that went over really well. The place of parents is under attack. <coughs> By the way, the school system doesn't know better what your kids need. And I, there was one of the senators that just said that. Said, we're not here to teach what the parents want. We're here to teach what society wants for the kids. Okay, keep sending your kids to that school and wonder why they, why they, don't think, the, why they think the Bible's a joke. I'm not trying to be mean. I really am not. But I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I don't want to see our children hurt. That's why God put them in your home. You're supposed to keep an eye out for them spiritually. 
Hillary said it takes a village. To, I don't want to have anything to do with the village she's from. They need to be sent to those islands. Maybe Captain Adams can fix them. We have to be very, very careful. <coughs> but I know, and I'm not saying, nobody here doesn't love their children. But sometimes we just don't, we don't think it through. I'd rather err on the side of caution than let things get out of control. They don't, by the way, they're children. They don't know any better. I don't care what society says. They don't know any better. You say, well, my child's under control. Would you, would you like a test? Yes, pastor. Thank you. If they have a cell phone, take it away. Ding, ding, ding. World War III. I don't think teenagers should have one. This is famous right there. So. The, <coughs> well, I don't send my kids to public school. They're in your Christian school. I know. And so when they end up in my office because they did something dumb or they get in trouble, there's a device involved every single time. Well, you know, they don't have a phone. I know, but they're on that iPad in their room all by themselves late at night. Not my kid. Okay. Listen, we see the social media sites they're on. Oh, they had social media? Can I get a witness? Okay, be very, very careful. <coughs> Our rule, <coughs> 18, you get a phone. Why? I'm a tightwad. I'm not paying for it. It's like when you're 18, you can get one. By the way, a license too. Why? You seen insurance prices? It's ridiculous. Okay, I don't even want to let my wife drive anymore. <laughs> Kidding. She probably has a better, she has a better record than I do, actually. <coughs> let me just give you the last one here. Now is the time to stand for truth. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 10, verse 6 to 14. Of course, the armor of God, but he says a few things. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11 of chapter 6, he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. You know what he's saying? He's saying just look. If you believe something and you know it's what the Bible says, just say if he says it, I believe it, that's where I'm at. I'm going to stand. I'm not going to be pushed off my spot. We are so wishy-washy. Wokeness is coming into every aspect of Christianity. Well, we, we quit. <coughs> I'm really going to be offensive here in a minute. Should I say it? It's okay. Thanks. My, my imaginary friend said it was okay. We, we quit having a wanna here years ago. And it was just a few things we didn't like. We didn't necessarily, they're woke now. Their board members are, are peddling all that nonsense. And you know what? Unknowing churches don't even see that. It's all over the place. You have pastors uh, 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 telling us we, you know, the church, the you know, the church has hurt the gay community. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. Now, if by hurt the gay community, stand up and tell you what the Bible says, that's not hurting it. You know, it's like saying if you're a thief, say quit stealing. Oh, you're hurting the you're hurting the thieving community. No, I'm just telling you quit stealing. That's what the Bible says. See, you know, well, you know, you're going to, you know, they, what do they say now? You use the Bible as a, um, as a hammer to beat people up. No. So we're not supposed to say anything? If, look, if I got up here and I only said what I knew everybody believed, what everybody 100% agreed with, I would get up, we would read the scripture, pray, and go home. 
We just have to hear what the Bible says. <coughs> and that, by the way, is not mean-spirited. We want God's blessings, and we're not willing to stand up and be part of the battle. The great Scottish pastor and missionary, Robert Moffat, said this, We have all eternity to celebrate our victories, but only one short hour before sunset to win them. Right? You know how the enemy is? <coughs> if you give one inch, he takes two. They don't, they don't stop pushing you. Right? I mean, I, I mentioned the guys and I, we like watching the fights. You know what irritates me? You got two guys in the, in the cage fighting, and one guy's always backpedaling. I'm like, he, he's not aggressive. Once you backpedal, they just keep pushing you. I read a book years ago, No More Christian Nice Guy. I don't even know if the guy was a Christian. And he said that. He goes, what we're doing is, under the guise of being nice, we're, not, we're backing off of what we believe and thinking that that will appease them, and they just keep pushing. How many of you ever, when you were in kids, had someone bully you? When you gave in to them, <coughs> there was a kid at our school, Dave, when I was in junior high, and he was a little punk, and he would always just bully, you know, take people's lunch money. When I was in seventh grade, I forget his name, you probably know, I think it was you. Um, <laughs> He came up to me like said, hey, give me your lunch money. I just stood there and stared at him like he turned and walked away. By giving my lunch money one time, he's going to take it all the time. You know what he really needed? He needed to be slapped really hard. Just kidding. That was violent, and I do not believe in violence unless you're getting paid to be violent with each other. <coughs> but see, here's what we do. No matter what you believe, you have to draw a line in the sand, Right? Bible says this, this is what I'm, and you're going to be tempted to push back. You know, <coughs> I, can give you, <coughs> I can give you a lot of them. I talked about music already. You know, you start moving back, and your music, well, just one. You know, come on, it's just, it's just Elvis, you know. <laughs> just a guitar. I know, I know, I know. I never got into Elvis. I like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. <coughs> Ladies, and I won't spend a lot of time, the way you dress. You know, the Bible talks about modesty. And there are delineating lines that the Bible steers clear of in, in, in modesty. You know what happens? You just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. Okay? And I'm not going to get on it, but you should see that little video clip that the guy put on the internet years ago. Uh, guy said, ladies, help a brother out. Okay? And we'll leave it at that. The way you talk, all of it. <coughs> the point is, we need to decide what we believe. We need to say, this is what I believe, I'm not changing, it's the right thing, and stay there. Why does everything have to be up for debate? <coughs> if you live like that, having to decide every little thing that comes your way, you know, am I going to, you already lost the battle. Just decide what God says, get a conviction about it, based on the conviction, get your standard, and don't change. Because, I'll tell you this, God didn't change. And we want to keep changing. And, and we say, oh, I just want to reach people, you know. And so do I. But if, if we're reaching people with something that's not true, are we really reaching them? Are we really helping them? The truth is what it is. And if we don't believe the truth enough to stand for it, how can we help others like we talked about this morning? <coughs> What's the point? And I can go on and on and on. The point is, we don't have a lot of time left. And... Maybe it's by God's grace that he'll give us some more time. Maybe towards the end here before he comes, we'll have a little revival. And by the way, you can. 
I don't know about you, but when we go around in this area, people aren't mean. They'll listen to you talk to them about the gospel. They'll come to church. It's not as bad as every. There's a lot of bad people, a lot of bad things going on out there, but people are still fairly well open. They really are. But that window's closing. As society gets worse, are we going to take advantage of it? Now's the time. Quit putting the things off that God wants you to do until another day. Because the longer you put it off, it's not going to happen. I always think of that <coughs> Patch the Pirate song, Procrastinate. How many of you know that one? I could sing it to you literally word for word. But you don't want to hear that. <laughs> and I don't want to do that to you. But let's, let's just say, hey, now's the time. Let's take this thing serious. Let's be urgent. And let's get our families on board. And let's just go until the Lord comes. Let's bow our head and close our eyes for a minute, please, if we can. <coughs> May we stand together this evening. Thank you for listening. But <coughs> is there areas of your life where you're waiting, right? Are you waiting? There are things that you know you're supposed to be doing. Are any of these areas I mentioned are things like, I know I should be doing it. I know I've maybe backed up a little in some of these areas. I know I may be like, uh, but look, look, now's the time. Now's the time. Let's take this serious. When we stand before God, we want to be able to say, Lord, I'm not perfect. I, I know I didn't do everything I, 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 I should all the time. But Lord, I knew it was a time and I had some urgency in serving you. I had some urgency in the way I live my Christian life. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. By the way, as I mentioned this morning, tie it in with this morning. People can't wait for us. <coughs> they need the message now. <coughs> and it's up to us to bring it. Piano's going to play. Hannah's going to play this evening. God spoke to you at all. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? We're still early in the year. Say, Lord, this year, this area, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to start now. This year, Lord, I want you to use me to help somebody. I want you to use my life and make it different. Maybe you think of things in your family and say, Lord, I need to shore up some of these things, and, and, and maybe I've been a little bit slack and letting it go and been putting it off, but let's do it now. Before it's too late.